Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berenday, and I am so delighted to welcome back to the show Gogo Umkanye Kure Waze Manzini. We are going to be discussing uh, decolonizing motherhood. So this is a very juicy topic for me, and I'm so excited to have her back again to share her wisdom with us in this space um, and everything that she is uncovering in her own journey around this this topic of decolonization. Um, if you have not yet listened to the interview that she and I did earlier called Breaking the Spell, please go back and listen to that. Um, there was some really powerful information. That was, a, that was the, I think, the longest interview that I've ever released, but it was so powerful and I just, there was so much beauty coming through. So um, please do yourself a favor and go and listen to that so you can get a taste of her. Um, we are going to dive into this topic of, of decolonizing motherhood. We do have to take a quick break and I want to take that break, um, now so that I don't have to interrupt any of the flow that's about to get unleashed here. So, um, so welcome to the show, Gogum Kanyikure, and we are, I'm just going to hit a quick pause. We're going to go to break and then we're going to, we're going to dive into decolonizing motherhood. So Everybody listening, fasten your seatbelts and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. So, my dear, welcome yes. back. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be back. Yes, yes, it's a pleasure to have you. So, so let's, let's dive in. Let's talk about what it means to decolonize motherhood. How is it colonized? What does it mean to be colonized? Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be a good place to start. When we talk about decolonization, what does that mm -hmm. even mean? Well, we understand decolonization to be a, uh, a return to your original state of being, both mentally, physically, spiritually, um, socially, in all ways, prior to the advent of, coloni of colonialism, uh, whenever the place that you are from were colonized. The majority of the world is colonized. Um, and so decolonizing means taking off the ways of thinking, the ways of being, the ways of looking at the world, the ways of relating to the world, others and yourself, um, taking off the colonizer's way 
the way that you were uh, um, socialized uh, to be, the way that you were educated to be, and going back to the way that your people were prior to the advent of colonization in um, African tradition, we call it has many names. Uh, it's called Sankofa, uh, which means to go back and get it. Uh, it means mm. to go back and to get what was lost. Um, in in Kemetic science or Egyptian um, uh, cosmology, it is called Maat, which is also uh, represented as a goddess with winged feathers. And Maat represents balance, harmony, order universal cycles. So it's talking about not moving in a linear form, but moving in a uh, cyclical form, which also speaks to Sankofa, going back and getting it, um, completing the circle. So colonization Mm -hmm. teaches us to think in a very linear way. It teaches us to detach from nature. It teaches us that we're disconnected from each other, from nature, from the universe. It teaches us that power exists outside of us and that we have to earn our right to exist. We have to be, we have to produce, right, in order to um, To be valuable. Yeah. To be valuable. I want to pause you for a second just for, for, for those who are listening. I think it's really important to, um, if, if this, this, idea of decolonization is new to you. Um, I think it's really important to, to just point out that most of this happens without our conscious awareness. And, and we, we just take what is given to us as fact and we take it at face value um, instead of really investigating, like, why do I believe this? Yeah. Where did this come from? And starting mm-hmm. to ask some of those questions is a really, really important step on the journey to decolonization. Because, you know, if, if I just think, well, I dress this way because this is the latest fashion and this is, this is what I like, right? I think mm-hmm. even, even examining some of our likes and dislikes, well, why do I like this? Right. You know, where does it come from is a really important thread to follow when we, when we start on this path of, of decolonization. Absolutely. It's actually the first step. Um, it's, it's actually what I would consider the first step, asking yourself why. Why do I think, and this is just me pulling something off the top of my head, right? Mm-hmm. So like in my community, colorism is a really big issue, right? Light-skinned Black people versus dark-skinned Black people and, and all of that. And so there are there are people who will say, well, I have a preference for light for lighter skinned women, right? A lot of men, myself being a light a lighter skinned African American woman, it, you know, I've heard that. Oh, you know, it's just my preference. I just think light skinned women are prettier, or light skinned women are this or that, or da da da. And as I began my decolonization process, I began to ask them, you know, men who would approach me, you know, why is that your preference? Why mm-hmm. do you prefer light skin versus dark skin. Why do you think that uh, a woman with long silky hair is more attractive than a woman with tight kinky coils? Why do you, you know what I mean? So that's, that's a very important thing that you brought up. That's the first thing is examining your preferences and examining your biases, examining why do I like what I like? Yeah, I know this is what I like, but why do I really like it? Um, you know, when you talk about wake, you know, being woke and, and waking up and, and all of that, one of the, one of the themes that is, um, repeated is question everything. Right. And 
And a lot of people do. A lot of people, they begin to question their government. They begin to question religion. They begin to question all of these other things, but they never question themselves. Why do I like this? Why do I not like this? Why do I have an aversion to this? Or why do I have an attraction to this? Or Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is. And I really believe that that's the first step because the first, what colonization does is it, it, it's your mind that's colonized, you know, the way that you think, the way that you, um, it's a box, (laughs) it's a box and it puts your mind and, and everything in a box. And you think that box is the whole world. Well, when you begin to first, you realize that there are corners to your world and you're like, wait a minute. And then you look. I thought the world was round. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the world was round and it was big and I had all this space, but now I'm finding limits. You know, why, why, why can't I do this? And why, you know, all of these Mm -hmm. types of things. So you start to ask questions and that's really how you begin the decolonization process. Um, And it's a very, you said it, it it usually happens without your conscious awareness um, being colonized like that that happens from the time you, as soon as you're born, mm-hmm. you know, just the way in which you're born into the world sets the foundation for, for that, because, you know, and as we're talking about decolonizing motherhood, being born in a hospital, mm-hmm. not that there's necessarily anything wrong with being born in a hospital, but the system of, medical care and the system of the hospital and the way that they handle the baby and the way they handle the mother and all of those things are, are effects of colonization. Because when you get into a more indigenous and traditional way of looking at the world, you realize that there are just different things that are done differently. And for different, there's, there are reasons why things are done differently and there are connections that are made based on the way that things are, are done differently. You understand what I'm saying? Then, then it's a sterile hospital room with, with, you know, latex gloves and bright lights and cold, hard floors. Like all of these things serve to imprint. Um, they serve to imprint on us, uh, you know, that, that, that mind. So when we talk about decolonizing motherhood, we are, because truly, before I even get into that, it, it's important for us to know that there are really only two ways of relating and engaging with the world. And that is as a colonized mind or an indigenous, natural, spiritual mind. Um, and it is really one or the other. And those two, those two minds actually battle. And it actually causes a lot of the mental challenges. And I know this isn't the topic, but a lot of the mental health challenges that we're, we experience is because we have this natural mind that the universe gave us, this natural coding, this natural way that the universe gave us that we were born into that is directly tied to nature and connected to the universe. And then we have this other thing. Mm-hmm. This little cap, and it's literally a war, and sometimes it just gets to be too much for people, and they can't fight it. And you know, I really think that that is actually a major cause of mental health issues um, in our community is 
the colonized mind versus the the indigenous mind. Well, well and let's talk about that actually in 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 the context of motherhood, because especially early motherhood, like the early postpartum period, postpartum mm. postpartum depression, or even maternal mm-hmm. psychosis, like that's a real thing that that mm-hmm. happens, and. In, in my studies and in my ex- direct experience, it comes primarily from the way that we expect women to mm-hmm. mother mm-hmm. In, like alone, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. I just took, I just took, sorry, I had to take a swig of uh, something to drink. I just took a four day uh, kind of um, intro training for postpartum um, doula mm. uh, training. And it's kind of an intro. And the teacher, she's Moroccan. Okay. And so she was teaching us the traditional Moroccan um, practice of the 40 days, the first mm-hmm. 40 days postpartum, right? What, uh, and it, that, that, that 40 day period is um, a through line throughout many cultures. Yeah. Around the world. Around the world, around the world. And even here in the West, they give us those six weeks. That's supposed to be, right? That's supposed to be our confinement. But the truth of the matter, and this is what I found out, Tati, in this group, there were almost 7,000 women, okay? <laughs> 7,000 women, all different. Some have never been mothers. Some are seasoned mothers, brand new moms. Some moms are still pregnant. Some were, you know, just had their babies. All of all types of mother stories. And the one thing that was so clear was that women outside of the United States and the United Kingdom tend to have better birth outcomes and not just for their babies, but for themselves because they have a cultural environment that tends to them and that holds motherhood in this high estate. Mm -hmm. You know, motherhood is held high. It is, you are valuable, not because you you know the way that we look at it in the west like oh you're a breeder or you're you know you 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 know you you just cranking out babies no it's it's you're valuable because life came through you you know mm-hmm. you know and and those types of traditions are important for the mothers because they don't suffer with postpartum depression or maternal psychosis nearly as much as we do here in the United States. The number one, there was a study, um, and I can't recall the, uh, the, uh, the university that did it, but there was the university study that we talked about during these four days that, uh, took kind of a sampling of mothers from several different countries, including the United States and, and, uh, England. And of all of these mothers, there were two things that stood out about the mothers from the, from the West. And that is that um, all mothers said stress was the number one, you know, was, was the problem, right? Like just the stress of motherhood and just, cause it's stressful. Even if you've got a whole team of people supporting you. Yeah. It's still, screaming in your face. It's stressful. When you're trying it's to stressful, out why. You know, yeah. There's no way to alleviate, eliminate the stress, but it wasn't, it was the stress was number one everywhere else, except for here in the West. You want to know what the number one problem was or the number one issue that mothers had mm-hmm. postpartum loneliness. Yeah. Loneliness, Tati. Yeah. I know from my own experience, and if you're a single mom, it can be even more pronounced, but I've been a single mom and a married mom, and I have been alone in my postpartum both times. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this is something 
because we don't have this cultural framework that elevates motherhood to to the to the high place that it should be i mean mothers are responsible for 100% of the women uh, 100% of the people on the planet <laughs> yeah. and and we're not valued because the culture doesn't value the woman the feminine it doesn't the culture of america the culture of um, of colonization well and this Does is not. yeah this is this is something that um, you know kind of ties into something you were mentioning earlier about about the colonized mind and, and we're conditioned to believe that we're only valuable if we are producing something. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for myself, I found this in, in my postpartum, I was all set, you know, in the baby that I just had with little Luna. Like I was, I had curated my postpartum experience so beautifully. I had such a magical time, even though <laughs> quarantine happened like right a week after she was right. born, I still had like this really beautiful time. And yet I was battling this piece of me that kept mm-hmm. feeling this level of frustration that mm-hmm. I wasn't actively producing something mm-hmm. um, that was tangible, that was um, that I wasn't like putting something out into the world. I wasn't right. delivering my message. I wasn't even though I, you had just put something out into the world. <laughs> seriously, right? Like I had just given birth to this amazing being, and like she is magical, baby. I mean, I know every mom believes that their baby's like the best, but as it should be. Um, and I, I'm no exception. I totally think I have the best baby, (laughs) but, um, but, uh, but still, and even though I have done an extensive amount of work on decolonizing my mind and, and, um, and my life and, but, and, and, and I was, I saw I was conscious and I was aware of it, but God, it was so hard and so painful and it was like okay I I took maternity leave but then like I would like get mad at at superpower experts because they weren't like involving me in what was going on but I'm like but girl you're on maternity like you took this time away to be in this in this little cocoon space and and hear you like what is going on in your I was I was totally at war with myself and I think you're like there is there is a battle between the two right because because we have it's just so valued it's like your place in society Mm -hmm. is valued by your level of productivity and what you're i mean what do we say what do we say you know as as just parents we say we want to raise our children to be what productive Members, members of society. Of society. So it's in there. And decolonization, I have on my Instagram, decolonization is not a metaphor. It is an active practice. Mm-hmm. Decolonization is an active practice. And when you talk about decolonizing motherhood, it is something that has to be done actively. So like when the idea of, oh, no, 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 I won't accept any help. I got it myself. That's your colonized mind. Seriously. Uh, and that rugged individuality, right? That's yes. that rugged individuality. I can make it happen for myself. That's not that's not the way that nature intended. And there is no fat in that. I like I, I'm so glad that you spoke to that because I, I that is such a huge thing that I see in our cultures with with moms. It's like this 
oh no, I got this. And if I don't got this, there's something wrong with me. I'm some deficient. Yeah. I failed. Yeah. And if I ask for help, everyone's going to know I'm a failure and I fucked up and there's something wrong with me and I can't do it by myself. So I just got to pick myself up by the bootstraps and figure this shit out on my own because no one's coming to help me. Like, and that's, that's the mentality. That is the mentality. And it's so unfortunate. And it's actually, it actually is a challenge when you start doing birth work and especially in my community um, where that rugged individualism is just amplified and it's multiplied. So say you are a young black woman or uh, you're a black woman and you have, you, you, you get pregnant and you have a baby and you don't have access to the kind of healthcare that you feel like you want. You know, when you get pregnant, you kind of say, well, I want to do this. And I think I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I think I want to have a midwife and I think I want to, but you don't have the money. You don't have the money or you don't have the resources. Yeah. Your insurance doesn't provide for a midwife. So you got to go to the OB. So that does something to you when, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot, many of us have experienced being um, um, pregnant alone. You know, uh, the, the, the father of the child is not involved at all in the pregnancy or at all in the, in, the, in the birthing experience. So that also, these are all things that just turn you inward. These are all things that just make you say, you know what I mean? And yeah. then if you don't have family, you don't have extended family, you don't have a community that you can call on. It just makes you feel like I got it. And then speaking specifically to black women, we have bought in to the strong black woman stereotype to that myth we've bought into it i got to be strong i got to be strong and handle it myself because my mama was strong my mama did it by herself Mm -hmm. so when we talk about decolonization in the african-american community it is absolutely a very active thing because we're literally talking about breaking generational cycles that have kept us locked in these counterproductive ways of being and ways of thinking in terms of how we mother our children, how we mother ourselves. You know what? And it's, it's not just in the African-American community. I mean, I can't speak mm-hmm. to that experience, but I can mm-hmm. say like, I have that too, because I have stories handed down from, from my ancestors who came over from Sweden and were mm-hmm. farmers here. And I have the story of the grandma, the great, great grandmother who squatted in the field, delivered mm-hmm. her baby, and then mm-hmm. threw it on mm-hmm. her back to go out and finish the harvest. Like mm-hmm. I have, I, and because when, when those of us from European descent when our ancestors came over they didn't they left their families they left their communities to come here for the most part right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so there so that that individualism was seated on this soil in in that movement and so the you know the whole pioneer thing it's like you look at those stories those people where they were doing it up by themselves they didn't have community and so they had to you know and and so so we have even as as white people in this land we have this this thread of like you've got to do it yourself you've you've got to be strong and there's something fundamentally wrong with you if you don't if because, you because your grandmother did it right right your grandmama did it you know because I again I have those same stories you know my, my great grandmother God bless her she birthed eighteen children and oh. uh, she talked. Yes, eighteen. Oh my god, 18. Sometimes two at a time. She, I have a couple mm. of twins, uh, great aunt and uncles. So yeah, it's um, it's 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 something to be said. And those are just 
just the ones that that lived. So she actually gave birth right. more than that. She had 18 living children. And um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, because she was by herself and didn't have community, when uh, she moved in with my grandmother uh, about maybe five years before she passed away, after great-granddaddy died, and she moved in with my grandmother, who was one of the eldest of, of all the children, you know, and when we first got her in the bathtub, um, it had become clear that she had not been caring for her reproductive health, mm. not been caring for herself. Um, and we asked her why. And she said, well, I was done with it. Mm. I was done with it. You understand? So this is what this is that's like an extreme example of what that rugged individualism that I got to do it all myself and I can't ask nobody to help me and I, I got to figure it out. These my babies, they my burden. I got to figure it out. It, it absolutely separated her. I mean, from some other experiences, of course, that she had, but it absolutely separated her from her womb space. You know, she didn't, she was, she, she was done with it because, and my, my father's mother, the same way she had 14 children. And she said, you know, they told us that's what we were here for was to have babies. Mm -hmm. So again, we're talking about like your value being based on what you can produce. But in this conversation, we're talking about what you can produce from your body right. and you know, how much you can produce from your body. And it is important for us to realize that, um, there's a reason why the female body is under just is always the topic of conversation. What we do with our uterus, whether we show our breasts, our hair, our how we look, what's appropriate. I mean, everything, everything is about policing our bodies because that's what had to be sub. That's part of what had to be subdued. You had to subdue the warrior in the men, and you had to subdue the feminine in the women. And you, and in order to do that, you have to make them think that they don't deserve help. Make them think that you know that there's something wrong with them if they if they can't you know do it on the all on their own without community and and without you know social support and and without being cared for and tended to. So many women, especially here in America, literally don't believe that they deserve to take time off. They don't. Right. They don't believe that they deserve um, to be cared for, that they don't deserve to be tended to and, and nurtured in a certain way, um, which is why we see, you know, we, we, we choose the relationships that we choose sometimes and because that's what we feel like we deserve. And something so else that I see, too, is that they don't even some women don't even want that. They don't. And they I think that that. That circling back around to like, why do you want what you want? Um, I think is a really important thread because I think a lot of women have just become, in cult especially I see this in like the upper middle class white women who are, mm. you know, in, in like the business world, right? Mm. It's like, mm. no, I just want to have this baby and get back to work because because I'm a productive member of society because I feel better about myself when I am, you know, working. But, right. So, but I want the, but I want the children. I think it's important. What I'm, what I'm hearing spirit say is it, it's very important for us to, to, as women, if we want to decolonize, we have to reevaluate how we see ourselves for ourselves. 
Are we looking at ourselves through the lens of patriarchy? Are we looking at ourselves through the lens of the male gaze of needing to compete in the marketplace or, or, or in the business world, not the marketplace, because I feel like those are two different things. Um, you know, the, the corporate setting versus the, 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 the marketplace where there's open and free exchange. You know, how are we seeing ourselves? You know, those women who are very career driven and there's nothing wrong with being with with knowing what you can do and doing it well and excelling right. at it. You know, there's li- listen, I, women go do that. If, if you are an engineer, do that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you know how, if you a CEO, do that, but understand that your feminine energy, your femaleness stands on its own and it doesn't have to compete with the masculine, with maleness. It doesn't have to, it exists. Or with other women. Or with, I was getting ready to go there. (laughs) I was getting ready to go there. It doesn't compete with other women. It doesn't compete with men. It doesn't compete with anything. And we've been, part of what happens to us is we say in order to compete, because I want the best for my family or I want the best for myself or whatever. So I'm going to compete and I'm going to then abdicate to a certain degree um, my, my feminine energy and feminine spirit and really get into my masculine. I'm going to get into the logic and I'm going to get into the intellect and I'm going to get into the dog eat dogness of it. You know what I mean? And I'm going to, and whether you're in a corporate America or whether you're, you know, just a regular person, this happens. Women, they, we, we colonization and the, the machine of, you know, of, of, industrialized societies and modern societies. It's just a machine, right? It, it kind of forces us out of that natural state of allowing, of being relaxed, of being, um, of flowing, right? Cause that's what feminine energy is. It's, 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 it's a flow. It's, it's, it's the, the flag. Whereas the masculine energy is the flag pole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, and we wave in the wind and we go with the flow and spirit moves to us and we feel 1500 things throughout the day and all <laughs> that right but you can't do that when you are the ceo when you've got a board meeting and you've got meetings you've got decisions you can't be in your in in in, in flowing in that energy you can't you can't it's a very it's a very tight juggling act to, to do that and i just feel that um you know in the minds of women we have to, in order to decolonize, we've got to begin to find the value in our womanness, in our femaleness, um, and in our womanhood, and even in our bodies. I mean, coloniz- colonization got us thinking that we all supposed to look like Barbie dolls out here. You know? Right. Well, and especially three months after you have a baby, you're supposed to have <laughs> lost the weight. I mean, I can't even tell you how, like, I'm, I'm a I'm be, I'm a part of a bunch of groups on on Facebook for breastfeeding because I was having a lot of challenges, right? And I'm okay. and I'm in uh, some of these mothers groups, and I'm and I'm seeing these mothers talking about like I'm three months postpartum, but I still haven't lost the baby weight, and like I'm like whoa, 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 just because right. just because some magazine tells you that this celebrity who has so much money that it comes out her ass when she sneezes 
has okay. her postpartum body back three months later because she was working with all of these personal trainers and that's like all she was doing with her life and probably someone else was taking care of her bo- baby mm-hmm. while she's mm-hmm. getting her body back, has her body back. That doesn't, like, we're setting up these expectations. And what does that even mean, having your body back? Like, I can say right now, my body has changed from the last birth that I just had, right? Mm-hmm. And and part of, I mean, I pushed a nine and a half pound baby out of there. And there was a, tell me she was nine and a half. <laughs> and there was an opening, and she was OP, right? So she was right. in a really weird position. Her face came out first. And there's an opening that occurred in my pelvis. Like my bones got, got stretched open. Mm-hmm. And can I just tell you and all the listeners right now, how sacred that opening is to me right now and what it has allowed me to manifest since this little girl's birth has been incredible because there is a portal through my root chakra that has been opened in a way that that was never opened before. And I don't want my body back the way it was before that happened because when I'm walk, when I'm out on a walk, I can feel that opening, and it is like wow! Like I can, the level of connection that I'm able to access through that place in my physiology now, I didn't have that before. Mm. Yeah, that's very that. See, you know, all of it—the birthing process, the the pregnancy, the everything—like we are not taught to trust our bodies we're not taught to listen to our bodies and so when we begin to decolonize as women it is very important for us to listen because the body will speak the womb speaks the womb uh, speaks Mm -hmm. and the entire body speaks and it is very important for us to listen to it and to uh, honor what we feel and honor what our body is telling us and, and to trust it. And that's what colonization tries to take away from us. It tells us, oh, something's wrong with your body, call the doctor. You know, trust the doctor. Don't mm-hmm. trust, you don't, you don't know, you didn't go to school. But no, you, I don't have to go to school. I've been living in this body my whole life. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it's important to listen because there's so many women who are forced through um, a certain type of birth experience, especially nowadays, it's so rampant where a a mother goes to the hospital to have her baby. They give her Pitocin because they tell her that her labor is moving too slowly. So they give her the Pitocin. Anybody that's had Pitocin, it is like a jackhammer in your Mm -hmm. pelvis. It is Mm -hmm. unnatural. The babies don't like it. So then the baby goes into distress. Mom's heart heart rate shoots up to the sky or blood pressure shoots up. Now, all of a sudden, we have to do an emergency C-section. And you just see just so many people. I mean, and it is to the point now, Tati, where there's so many women like, they're like, oh, I don't want to push a baby out. I don't. Right. Mm-mm, yeah, the elective cesarean. I'd rather heal from the surgery and have scar tissue yeah. to do what my body is designed to do because it's going to hurt. Right. And so I think when we talk about decolonizing, period, but especially with decolonizing motherhood, there has to be this idea of letting go of the need for convenience. Mm-hmm. Right. 
the convenience of the C-section. You can schedule it. You know what day you're going to have the baby. You know what time you're going to have the baby. You know when you come home. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to. I can just take this time off. I've had surgery. I can take the medication. Now my, you know, my hips and everything have not undergone the different changes and all of that. And I can just kind of, and, and while they're in there, they can give me a tummy tuck too, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, while they're they're pulling the baby out they can give me a tummy tuck. So it's two for one. So what, what colonization does is it takes our, you know, long drawn out processes, our rituals and ceremonies. And there's a ceremony for this step and a ritual for that step. And all of these steps that need to be honored that are important and it, and it eliminates all of that. And it just condenses things down to, to a very simple idea. And I mean, this conversation just, it, it's so broad because yeah, you know, when you're talking about decolonizing the body, like what is the woman's body supposed to look like? Right. Like you said before, what is it supposed to look like? Your body is going to change after you have baby. I remember after I had my first son, I didn't recognize the woman staring back at me. I was like, this mirror is bent or something. <laughs> <laughs> what is all that? Somebody shrunk my jeans. <laughs> what is all that? My stomach was flat before I had this baby. What is all that? You know? Um, and we're taught, like you said, you know, just that snapback and we're, and, and no one thinks about the fact that you've been pregnant for 10, 11 months. Some of us, I was a 44 week baby. My mm-hmm. mother was pregnant 11 months and you know, that's a year. So <laughs> it's a whole, listen, I don't care if it's nine months, 10 months, whatever you want to say, it's you pregnant for a year, right. you pregnant for a whole year. And it takes that long plus some, especially if you've not had proper postpartum care. Right. You know, and yeah, so I think you don't have the support. Exactly. And so then we wonder why years later we end up with back problems and our hips ache and yeah. all types of things because we did not receive those, those uh, treatments that we're supposed to get after we have a baby, getting your hips, your body literally opens up. Right. Like it, it, it opens up to let this baby pass through you. And so then there are, you know, things that are done to close the, the, the body back and to also put the mother into a womb space. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, there's I, this, idea. I got to have, a, I got to have that experience. It was lovely. Did you? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've never had that experience. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it because I, I want it and my ancestors want it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're just taught that, you know, you have this baby and you ain't dying, you know, you right. ain't dying. So, uh, the baby's you know, healthy. So everything's fine. The baby, everything's fine. And everything is not fine. Everything changes your body. You are literally not the same person after you have a baby. It doesn't matter if you have one or more than one, every time you become a new person. Yes. yes. So every I want to, I want to um, pause this for a second because, you know, we've been talking a lot about the immediate postpartum period. Um, uh-huh. But I think, I, you know, I want to just take a moment and expand the conversation out to to extend it to like, you know, motherhood is not over. And, you know, after your baby turns a year old, like you're a mom for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. And and so so what about, you know, when we're parenting older children as as our yeah. children age, like how how is colonization factoring into place in in terms of how we parent and raise our kids? Oh, gosh. I mean, it 
the thing about it is that it it leaks into every single aspect of life and we definitely um the the things that we teach our children or tell them not to do you know children are to be seen and not heard or uh children you know um uh, don't question me or, you know, all of those types of things, like where you just have to be kind of a little robot and you just do what you're told and that's it. I don't engage your, your desires, your fears, your curiosities. I don't get to know you as a person. And I think that that's the main thing that colonization uh, does to us as parents is it teaches us that our children are property instead of people. And it teaches us to to dictate their lives instead of just guide them so that their lives can unfold the way that they're supposed to, according to their own, you know, unique coding and their own unique purpose. And, you know, again, to teach them to be productive members of society. So then we do things like send them to school and we tell them that you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to meet these markers that the American education society or the American baby society or whoever, whatever society said your baby's <laughs> supposed to be this and this and this by these ages, you know, um, instead of realizing that every child is born with a unique gift and that there are at least what, nine, 11 different types of intelligence or something like that. And, and, and some children are come with these gifts. Some some of these children, especially the ones that are being born now, they come, these children are ready. These children come with their ancestors, their spirits, their guides already. Mm-hmm. By the time they're two, three years old, they're, they're divining you. They're channeling spirits, you know, <laughs> and, and, and everything. And so in an indigenous way, you see that child develop. There are even indigenous cultures where the child isn't named until they're five years old. Mm. Because that spirit of that child has to, then, has to say who it is. You know, and 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 also gender is not assigned until there until that moment as well. Um, and so these are the things that colonization does. It it we, we we have our babies and we immediately label them this 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 and this. You're going to be this. Boys do this. Girls do that. You're going to go to this school. Yeah. Go to this school. You're going to be this religion. With this is you know and all of that. And I feel like. There's nothing wrong with passing down your traditions that you practice as a family, of course. That's how traditions are born. You know, you, you, you teach the kids. But at the same time, there is, in, an, in the indigenous way of life, there is an allowance for how we allow our children to become and, um, and how we engage with them. You know, so it's not do as I say and not as I do. And don't you don't talk back and don't you dare. You know what I mean? It's it's none of that. It's you can tell me how you feel. And even if you make a mistake um, or, or you or you you fuck up, you know what I'm saying? You do something real crazy that you ain't had no business doing and it got you in some trouble. It is there's this understanding that you have not lost any of your value um, and any of your value as a being. Um, simply because of that, you know, and also motherhood um, in, in the colonized mind, like I said, motherhood is very much like a job. It's a duty. It's a chore. It's something that you have to just, you know, it's a to-do list of things to do and take little Jimmy to soccer. I'm going to take him to band. And then after that, then we're going to eat for 15, you know, and then it becomes mm-hmm. very regimented and it's very detached. Whereas in, you know, a more indigenous way of parenting is very much attached. And we see this in modern psychology where they talk about attachment parenting and things like that. All that is, is the, the in, 
the way indigenous people parent their children, nursing them until they're three, letting them sleep with you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, let them tell you what they want to wear and how they want to look and what they want to express and what they like and letting them be people. Yeah. Letting them be and, people. That's the main thing. And I got to say, just as a, as a parent, like this is hard. Because mm. especially if you you have not had it modeled to you how to do it differently, yeah. it is hard to go. Yes. I mean, because it's so much easier mm-hmm. to have a little person who will just do what you tell them to. Yes. That's easy to manage. Yes. It's yes. not easy to manage no. a little child who wants to have their own opinions and who who does not think the same way you do and who wants to do things differently. And so I, I just want to give voice to that because that I struggle with a lot, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I want, I want my, my daughter and now my other daughter to, to Mm -hmm. be able um, to, to feel like an autonomous being. Sure. And something that I'm also in the study of is um, how to allow for autonomy without making the child believe that they are the most important member mm-hmm. of the family. Mm-hmm. Because we are a family and we need to work together. And yes. there is not one of us that is more important than the other. We yes. just have different needs and different levels of that are are required in every moment. Um, yes. But but just because you are a child and you are special and you are a precious child of God, mm-hmm. I am I am also a precious child of God, mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. and deserve to be respected. Um. And so so something that I've been really in the study of in my parenting journey is is where. Where is the line between like I deserve to be respected and do what I say? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's a very thin line because sometimes as a parent, when you are dealing with a headstrong child who does not have the experience of life, right, um, and they want to go running down the rickety old bridge, but it's a rickety old bridge, and there are rocks underneath and not a lot of water. If you fall, you could die hurt yourself very badly and that would be bad for everybody right so when i tell you don't go don't go right so there is that need sometimes to say to do exactly what i told you to do you know what i mean sometimes (laughs) sometimes i need you to sit down sit 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 right there for everybody's well-being i'll explain it after the truck goes by (laughs) i'll explain it after the danger passes you know but right now i need you to be obedient so it's you know there's no on the job there's no uh, handbook for that that's on the job training and the best thing that i can tell you to do is to always communicate yes keep the lines of communication open that's for anybody that's listening that's really the best way to kind of counter the effects of colonization what you learn share with your children what you heal, share with your children, of course, in an age-appropriate way. When they come to you with a question, don't just immediately dismiss it because it makes you uncomfortable. Because that's the that's a colonized way of parenting is to dismiss your children and send them off to play, send them off to somewhere else. When when, when we're talking about a kind of earth-based, spirit-led, you know, way of, of engaging our children and engaging, it is sharing those moments you know 
uh, I've had those experiences where my children have come to me with questions that really set me on edge. Like, yo, uh, we got to talk about this because you know sometimes your children will trigger you. They will, they will do all they can. They don't know it, you know. Mm-hmm. They just kids and they just come up and they say things. And I have found the best way to let them know that they're important without making them feel like they're the most important part of the family is to, um, is to kind of, I don't want to say treat them as an equal, but give them, give them a space to say and everything. And we're all having, we're all sharing our feelings and we're all communicating and we're talking until there's an understanding. We're communicating until we understand Mm -hmm. each other. And that's a very important thing. You know, I, I think that that's something that, um, you know, for you and any other parent who is raising a young, brilliant, you know, indigo baby, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is important to those lines of communication open, um, especially well, mothers with daughters. Yeah, that's, I'm a, sorry, go ahead. that's a rule that we have in our house. Like you don't, you don't get to walk away. Yeah. The conversation has completed itself. Like you have to sit in the fire. You have to sit through the discomfort. You do not get to run away. You do not get to walk away until we have finished this. Like we're going to, we're going to see it through to the end. I think that's a very important, that's a very important act of decolonization. It is see. So the colonized mind is like the one and the decolonized mind or the, the indigenous mind, the indigenous natural way of being is like the zero, like a circle. It just keeps going and going and it always comes back to the to the beginning and it always comes back and it always comes back versus the linear way of I'm done talking about this. We're not going to talk about it anymore mm-hmm. and we're going to act like it didn't happen, mm-hmm. you know, and what I was going to say before you brought that up was it's very important for mothers to really have those sharing experiences with daughters because we're talking about decolonizing the female body, decolonizing. Uh, decolonizing that word as I've been saying it so much <laughs> decolonizing the female body and, and femininity and, and womanhood and all of that. It is important for mothers to share their journeys with their daughters because your daughter is going to feel whatever you're feeling as mom. If you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling stressed, if you are angry, if you are hurt, heartbroken, you can believe and count on the fact that your daughter has picked up on it Mm -hmm. and she's watching how you handle it and she's watching how you deal. So if you don't sit in it, you know, and if you don't sit in it and process it and, and, and go through the, the, the process and, and actually heal from whatever it is that's bothering you and you take invasive measures, you know, whatever, you know, you fall into whatever counterproductive habit or cycle, your daughter is learning, you know, and part of decolonization has to do with taking accountability and taking responsibility for yourself and taking responsibility for what you project into the world and what you allow into your own inner world. And so when it comes to sharing those secrets with your daughter, with our daughters, it is, um, it is very important because we are the ones who have the babies. We are the ones who, uh, you know, um, of course men are mystics and all of that, but women are natural born mystics. We are natural born women and women identified people are not, we are natural born you know, into, into it. You know what I mean? It just comes with the uterus. You know what I mean? And 
<laughs> and so it's very important for us as women that when we begin to change our diets, that we, as, as, as mothers, that we educate our daughters as to why it's important for us. Mommy, why are you always drinking cranberry juice? Well, because it's good for my bladder health and for my uterine health. You know what I mean? Why are you always, well, what is this? And why do you do this? And, and all of that. It is about engaging. I think, I think that's the overarching idea of like decolonizing motherhood. It's about engaging with your children and connecting with the spirit of your children so that they can help you to reconnect with your own inner child and your own inner little girl, you know? Um, yeah, I think I think a good question to to ask ourselves as mothers uh, when when something is coming up for us, and you know, it's like, how would I want my children to handle this if this was happening in their life? Yeah, and then yeah. and then do that because Absolutely. because you know, I think I think it's really important to say, you know, sharing these things with your kids doesn't mean using your kids as therapists. Cause I've seen oh, that right. happen too, you know, like, yeah. like yeah. this is not about processing your stuff with your children. Like they can know no. like, Oh, what's, you know, why are you crying? Well, I'm feeling sad right now, but they don't need to know more than that necessarily. Right. You know, it's like, like what would you, if, if this was happening to your child, how would you want them to deal with it? Right. Exactly. And, 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 you know, I think decolonizing also is about giving ourselves time and giving ourselves space, right? Because, you know, in the modern society, everything is so fast. You know, mm -hmm. we, we hit on it with the bounce back, you know, and the mm -hmm. snap back. Everything is, we want it so quick, you know, and we want, we want to move through our feelings quickly and we want to move through cycles quickly and all of that. But when you begin to return back to a more natural state of being one that's not constructed for you, but one that's just natural. You realize that things happen a lot slower, you know, at a much slower pace than what society makes you believe. You know what I mean? Yes. We all grew up watching TV and movies and stuff. And we believe that life issues are resolved in 22 minutes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 22 minutes in a few commercials, you know, uh, uh, problem is solved. Well, that's not how it goes. Process, nature takes time. And yes. when we give ourselves time, when we give ourselves time in, how, in engaging with our children, you know, sometimes your kids will get on your nerves because they're designed to do that. Yeah. And they'll, <laughs> they will. They will just get on your nerves and be children and just being rambunctious and everything. And you may want to respond in frustration. Um, Give yourself some time to ask yourself why you're really frustrated. Are you frustrated that the kids are running through the house yelling? Or are you frustrated because you didn't get enough sleep? Yeah, and I think, I think that is so key because I think that those, when those emotions, especially frustration, irritation, anger, I, can, mm -hmm. I, I know for myself, it's like, okay, my nervous system has not been nourished. If, right. If I am feeling irritable, if I'm snapping at my kid, if I am, you know, just like speaking in a not nice way, like there, mm -hmm. that's, I have not received something that I need. My nervous system. And, and this is, this is not about like, oh, I need, you know, some chocolate. This is like my nervous system needs rest. 
system needs rest. Nervous it's system needs nourishment. It's been aggravated, agitated, and now it's in a hyper alert state. Yes. And it's, it's, it's bordering on anxiety, you know? Yes. So it's, it's um, a very real thing, giving ourselves time as women, slowing down. And yeah. it's hard. that's hard to do. If, if in our hypothetical scenario, if you are the head honcho at a company um, or something, but I think, I think women, when we begin to decolonize, it is important for us to, to understand leverage, to understand, um, especially when it comes to work and even at home. You know what I'm saying? Because if mama's not right, ain't nothing right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I, if you and as much as I love you know your husband and your and your your babies and I haven't met Luna but you know Sana that's my homie and <laughs> you know and as much as I love you guys and as much as as an amazing you know spouse and partner you have you know in Daniel and all of that if Tatiana is out for the count huh there's oh. nothing happening oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've we've seen that and my son knows she if you know if i'm like look mama needs time like she knows that if you want mama to be a nice mama you need to give me some you space right mama some time because women we have cycles we have cycles of giving and we have cycles of keeping we have cycles of of being open and then we have cycles of being closed we are very much that and what colonization and modern society does and what it excuse me what it has done is it takes away our ability to feel our way through because that's what we do as women we feel our way through things we feel it don't feel right i'm not going that don't feel right i have a hard no in my in my solar plexus chakra so that means no i can't you know but we're taught to ignore those things right so that we produce yes so if anyone's listening to this and you can resonate with the nervous system nourishment, actually a really easy thing that you can do is lay, it's, it's going to sound weird. And if you've, you're not used to doing this, it's going to feel weird at first, but lay down on the ground for like five minutes, just lay down on the ground, not on your bed, on the ground. Yeah. Um, even better if you can lay down on the earth. Yeah. If you don't have access to the earth, just lay down on the ground for five minutes it will reset on your back. It will reset your nervous system. Yeah. It will begin yeah. that reset process. And that's something you can, it takes just five minutes to give yeah. it. Um, it's a very powerful, very simple thing you can do. It's very powerful. And the five minutes, a lot of people say, well, five minutes isn't enough time, but if you're focused in those five minutes, there's nothing else going on. You know, that, that five minutes is an eternity. And you can your do that with kids screaming in the background, actually. Believe uh, abs- absolutely. I, I, you know, one of the things about motherhood that uh, you develop is that kind of... Tune you out, yeah. Because you, re- you recognize what the screams are. You know that no one's in pain, no one's bleeding, <laughs> no, no one's dying. <laughs> no one's dying, no one's dying, no one's dying. So it's like, let them, let them scream and holler. They, they, they having a good time. I need to take these five minutes. So instead of like hiding in the closet, right? Like, and, and, and again, part of that is demonstrating it for the children. Mm-hmm. So you lay there in the middle of them running and yelling and everything. 
Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're going to say, wait a minute, I'm going to lay down next to mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that's how that happens. And that's how we model, um, we model these things for our children. So um, just another thing, to, in addition to the laying down for five minutes, because a lot of mothers do suffer from that parasympathetic uh, nervous exhaustion, vague, that vagus nerve is just exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like when we say somebody is on your last nerve, that means they have exhausted all the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And now that vagus nerve is being jumped on. Like it's just being, and once the vagus nerve in your body, cause that's that, that main nerve that, that communicates to all the other nerves throughout your nervous system. And once that nerve gets overwhelmed, that's when you develop, that's when a person has a shutdown or breakdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that you, that we, as mothers, that we honor that feeling of somebody, something being on our nerves. That is a clear signal yes. to stop and, and take some self care. Yes. Um, self, cause while you were speaking, that's what I heard was self care. Self care is one of the, is one of the, uh, easiest ways to ease yourself into the process of decolonizing literally taking time for you taking yourself as mother as woman off the bottom of your list of things to do and putting yourself at the top just that act alone the thought of that for some women sends them into a dissonant state Mm -hmm. the thought of being first Mm -hmm. eating yourself First, because you know, in my community, there's this idea that you feed the children first, and then your husband, and then your guests, and then you eat last, which is ridiculous. If I'm the one that cooked all this food, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and I get I get hospitality and all of that, but you know, even if you make your plate first and set it to the side, you've still honored yourself first, and that is something that is important in the decolonization process because the world today tells us that we are last. You know, a woman should give up everything for her children. Uh, a woman, I used to say it. I'd rather be out here looking crazy and raggedy and my children be clean. And I'm all right. I don't need to be. No, I need to be clean and cute too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's important and not just on an ego, not on some ego shit, but on some, on, on, on some real I am an embodiment of the sacred, divine, holy yes. feminine. Yeah. And I have brought forth life. I have done what half of my population cannot do. And I have done it. And I have done it uh, in, in a way. And I am raising these children with community and they know love and they know support. So it is important for us to take ourselves off the bottom of our to-do lists. One of the books that I recommend for women is called The Art of Extreme Self-Care by Mm -hmm. Cheryl Richardson. And in that book, there are 12 chapters. Each chapter is a month-long kind of workbook type of situation. And each chapter deals with those areas that we deprive ourselves as women. Um, So one of the chapters is about having an absolute no list. These are things that just absolutely, I don't, these are the things that, you know what I mean? I, I, that I, that can't happen. These are things that I don't want to happen that can never happen in my life. And then you have an absolute yes list. And then another chapter is about getting comfortable with disappointing people, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, and 
that's a big one. I want to say that's the first chapter is learning how to disappoint people, becoming comfortable with people being disappointed and you not being available. Um, you know, because so many of us end up being resentful because we are always here for every, we feel like we have to be the, you know, the Walmart of our families or the Walmart or the 7-Eleven for, for our community. Just always open, always available, you know, and never taking time for ourselves. And I think if we want to decolonize, it is important for us to reclaim our time and to reclaim our sacred time. Women, our time alone where we are able to sit and especially during that one week in the month when we're mm-hmm. menstruating, that time is for us to sit and to be cared for, to be tended to, not to be doing a whole lot of excess physical stuff, not to be, you know what I mean, worried mm-hmm. about that. That's what's supposed to happen. But the society we live in, your job ain't going to let you off just because you got your period. They don't care. Right. You know what I mean? They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. It's a normal thing. You should be used to it. And so that idea that what we go through as women is not special, I think is the first thing that has to be, that we have to get, get rid of in our minds, that we are special, that being a woman does make you special. Being a mother does make you special. It makes you unique. We have a very unique assignment and it's not something that can be rushed. I mean, even when we're talking about sex, mm-hmm. when, when it's so much better for us as women when our lovers take their time, right? You know what I'm saying. I mean, every once in a while, you know what I'm saying, it can be <laughs> hot and heavy. You know what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> but for the most part, that's how we. In, that's how a, a woman is going to really be able to enjoy that moment. Take your time. Make okay. time for yourself. You want to colonize. Honor your rhythm. Honor your cycle. Say no when you want to say no. Say yes when you want to say yes. Um, Also letting go of ideas of should and shouldn't because those are judgments. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, I should, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of those types of things are are ways to decolonize. And, And as we've mentioned in this conversation, there's a myriad of ways that you can approach this process. But the number one part that is the through line through all of these, whether you're talking about self-care or incorporating more time into your schedule or, uh, you know, getting a garden or, you know, eating, changing your diet or getting rid of your television, you know, all of these different kinds of things. Because decolonizing is a lot like being woke uh, in, a, in a way, but it has much more to do with your internal world and how you relate to the external world and, and the internal world. And it's just very important that we allow ourselves to, um, to remember and to return because the, we're always trying to remember, you know, there's always that, Oh, I, I wonder how, you know, I wonder about veganism or, or, or I wonder about the herbs or, you know, what is it about the, you know what I mean? Just all of those different things. And I wonder about a midwife. Ooh, I'd like to have my baby in a pool, you know, or different, you know, different things like that. Let yourself explore those things because that is your way of reconnecting to your natural way of being. And that is what 
indigeneity means to me. It is tied to the land and where you're from and all of that, but it is also about how you interact with the land, how you interact with the world around you, other people and yourself. And mm-hmm. seeing yourself as a part of the whole versus seeing yourself as separate from it. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, obviously this is a humongous topic and we could, yes. we could talk for days on this and not have covered everything there is to talk about. Um, but I want to honor our time and, yes. you know, in the, in the vein of motherhood, I hear my little one in the background yes. getting ready to have me back. <laughs> so um, I just want to thank you again so much for, for coming back on the show and for having this really important conversation and, um, you know, we've we've covered a lot of these topics on this show, folks, and, and that, I mean, this is why this show exists so much of what we discussed today. And, and so there, are, you know, we, we gave you a few tips and tools today in this conversation, but there's a lot more if you go explore mm-hmm. the library of, of all of the interviews that, and conversations that we've had on this show. There's a wealth of information here. So so please dive in and and um, and heal yourself you know and 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 hold hold yourself re-hold yourself because i really think it's it's more about about that than anything because you are not broken we are not broken Um, so so thank you gogon kanikure for for being with us today i just love you so much and i'm so grateful um that you are you are able to be here like this absolutely thank you so much for the invitation and you go take care of baby luna and um, (laughs) we'll talk soon yes and to our listeners thank you so much um if you have not yet gone and and explored the ways to play with us over at superpowerexperts.com go and do that and if you Mm -hmm. haven't yet downloaded the app download the app it's the it's the quickest and easiest way to listen to all of your favorite shows right there at your fingertips so you can go to the app store look for superpower net um and you find us that way and until next time go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply many many blessings are you ready to discover your superpowers go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today